0: Hello, I'm Michael Climes, Acting Editor at Money Marketing, and welcome to our fourth Consumer Duty and Protection podcast with our sister publication, Mortgage Strategy, in association with Royal London.
1: Hello, um, I'm Amanda Newman-Smith, feature writer, and today I'm joined by a member of Royal London's intermediary Team, um, who will now introduce themselves.
0: Hi Amanda, so and uh, hi everyone. So I'm I'm Gregus Sked. I'm I'm one of Royal London's protection, development, and technical managers, and uh, absolutely delighted to to be here with you today, talking a little bit about the uh, new consumer GT.
1: Okay, so um, you know, t- today we're going to talk about um, consumer duty in relation to protection of life, and so we, we previously sort of touched on this issue before, but today we're going to look specifically at, you know, the um, cost of living crisis, because it, it's something that we've kind of, I think it's touched everyone's lives, I mean, when you go to the supermarket, you're spending more, you know, get less shopping, you go to fill up your car, and it costs more, and I was reading yesterday that there's a supermarket in Liverpool which is even seeing you know you know shoplifting cases go through the roof, and they're looking at pointing people towards food banks rather than prosecuting them. So it's kind of affecting the whole country. And even if you're comfortable, you consider yourself sort of comfortably, you're trying to kind of you know reduce costs where you can. So. That's what we're going to be talking about today, you know, what this means for protection advice, you know, bearing in mind everyone's trying to sort of cut back a little. So um, can I start by saying, you know, um, we are looking at the cost of living crisis, but, you know, how could this impact protection advice and um, clients in relation to the consumer duty? Because we, we know that there are kind of, you know, that, that there's a duty now on, advisors to you know look at good outcomes and deliver you know the best for their clients rather than just sort of you know looking at basic life cover and saying you know on your way you've got to kind of do a bit more than that so Greg I mean how how do you think advisors should approach this
0: it's 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 a really pertinent question I think and as you say uh, there's no hiding from the rising cost of living is there we you mentioned it's quite concerning seeing the the, the state of where people are being pushed towards food banks and even reading in the press at the moment the price of a a tub of butter you know it's crazy just thinking where where things are going and the fact that you know a slightly joking way of looking at it but you might end up having to spread the cost of a tub of butter over three to six months to make sure you can actually afford it it's a real concern um for some of these costs that are pretty pretty trivial are, are becoming a huge concern for a lot of a lot of families and a lot of people across the country um i think in terms of where protection plays a role well, you know it's i think protection policies genuinely can become quite a uh a challenging product to sell at the best of times and i know many advisors listening will have faced multiple objections to, to having protection conversations and i think one of the big challenges that we're, we're probably going to be seeing in this world where the cost is, is is growing so high is actually more objections to to people needing protection and actually don't think that that they do need it um you know we did some some research uh, a few months back at royal london around the cost of living and I think some of the figures that we were looking at were around about 95% of, of the UK adult population were concerned about this 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 rising uh, cost that, that we're, all, we're all facing. I think when you bring the new consumer duty into it, it, there's a lot of insight into what the FCA are expecting. So when you look at the new consumer duty... At sort of high level you've got those three cross-cutting rules about making sure we're acting in good faith towards retail customers we're trying to help avoid foreseeable harm to retail customers and then helping them enable and support uh, their financial objectives the real interesting thing I think with the, the new consumer GT is when you actually look at the, the four outcomes that support these cross-cutting rules and they are looking at products and services price and value consumer understanding and consumer support and it's that consumer support outcome which i think there's a real link into the the cost of living and what where does this play a role with protection and and within that consumer support we're looking at the likes of how do we deal with vulnerable customers and again going back to this cost of living it's affecting pretty much everybody across the across the country you know it's very easy when costs are going so high and people are, are can find themselves now struggling financially to, to see that there's a much greater sense of who are vulnerable customers so i think what protections and, and particularly the new consumer duty is going to be playing a real important role in it is how do we address supporting vulnerable customers uh, in light with with the with the rising cost of living and actually i think back in june i think it was the the fca issued a, a dear ceo Letter and basically highlighting the importance of how do we support consumers while we're in this 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 cost of living crisis, as as it's been put. So there's a definitely a big, I think a big light being shone on um, again, particularly vulnerable customers. And actually, again, the FCA have referenced through many different mediums recently that any of us can find ourselves in in vulnerable circumstances. Um, you, you know, so I think the chances of, of dealing with clients who, who could well be in financial situations which could be prevented by the by the likes of looking towards financial protection, you know, I think could be could be significantly high. Um, and you know, I think the, the fact that what the FCA are saying is that if any of us are finding this increased chance of coming across individuals that are vulnerable, you know, firms. I think, generally speaking, need to be quite alert to you know, to the various different changes and situations that, that customers might have in in the future to to their lifestyles, but also you know at the moment as well. And is there things that they can be doing to try and get in touch with them today, to you know, this week, next week, whatever? To, to find out what those situations look like and I'm actually, you know, trying to, I guess, address that situation of are they in a vulnerable position and what can be done about it. But I think the crux is, you know, having that ideal situation of a protection policy in place, making sure that clients can, can deal with unexpected life events, be that illness, incapacity to work will obviously provide a huge amount of financial support for, for individuals. Um, but I think it's about helping them reassure them that if something does happen down the line, even if it's an increase in cost of living even further, that there is some element of financial support that can, that can help them.
1: I think, Brother, that part of the thing is that we're all kind of, you know, maybe, you know, all of us, but, you know, there's a lot of sort of short term outlooks going on. We worry about what we can afford today. And, you know, never mind about sort of putting a bit away for tomorrow because we'll deal with tomorrow when that happens you know if it happens do you think there's a bit of that going on in relation to you know clients views on protection
0: i i think absolutely i think it's it's very uh, the phrase you do it's hard to see the the, the, the woods from the trees when you're when you're living your daily life you you don't necessarily want to think about what's going to happen to me in five ten years even you know, even even shorter i think it's very easy to, to try and put to one side some of these negative aspects of life nobody wants to think about death nobody wants to think about serious illness nobody wants to think about being off work sick and i think it's quite easy just to park it to to, uh, to one side but actually i think the big the real challenge that i think the advisor community and the provider landscape across the uk has you know, t- you know at the moment and has had for many years is trying to get clients to understand the importance off that protection policy, seeing the value of it here and now, and, and actually trying to address some of the, I guess, some of the, the, the risks of being underprotected and not having protection costs, uh, not having protection policies in place. Um, I, I think actually just parking the rising cost of living to one side for a moment. You, know, When you look at protection, as we've said before, it's there to, to help put money on the table when unexpected life events happen it's there to make sure that there's money on the table to help people through difficult difficult times and you know i think do, do, do people want to think about what's going to happen if you to their finances at that point in time probably not i don't think people want to really be looking towards those negative aspects of life but yeah i think that's one of the challenges as i said advisors do have is how do we try and put on the table the importance of protection the need for protection um and again, we've also got to address this, that, that, that increased cost of living on, on top of it. But I think there's so many fantastic tools and support options out there that can help advisors get clients to see the importance of this conversation happening now, rather than delaying it, rather than waiting a few months, rather than waiting a few years. You know, we've got risk reports there's visual aids there's sales support documents that i think are really fantastic just trying to get clients to see why it's important to have this conversation today and you know i've spoken to advisors in the past that we'll, we'll run quotes with clients to say look this is you here and today this is what a cost of a, a, a standard a simple life insurance policy could cost an income protection policy could cost you and let's actually address the situation if we don't want to do it today if maybe you want to wait 10 5 10 years Let's run another call with you being 5, 10 years older and actually seeing that cost difference can be quite an important and quite a a powerful argument to say, actually, if if we talk this conversation today, cost effectiveness, cost wise, you're going to see it's going to be a lot cheaper than if you wait 5, 10 even longer years before we have this conversation again.
1: But there, are, there will be some clients that maybe just sort of adamant, you know, I've, I've got a limited amount of money and I don't want to spend it on this. And, you know, what, what should a advisor do when confronted with a client that maybe just won't budge on this or just doesn't see the value of it, even though the advisor's probably, you know, gone through all, all the steps with him? What would what would you say?
0: So this is a a, a big question that we get quite a lot. And it's one of the big talking points around overcoming objections. And I think these are objections that uh, we've probably all faced over the last many, many years to having conversations about protection. It's not something new to the the cost of living crisis that we're living through. I think it's probably maybe more exacerbated with the cost of living crisis. If individuals are seeing costs increase, they've maybe saved harder to get their their first mortgage, they've maybe saved even more. They're they may be working multiple jobs to try and afford. As an example, so I, I think getting clients to see the value of why we're having this protection conversation. You know, we want to make sure that this home that you potentially saved years to afford isn't going anywhere if something happens. You're able to stay in the home, maintain the standard living that you're used to. Um, but I, I do think getting that objection around cost is, is, is a big, big factor. Um, again, some of the tools that, that providers offer there, you know, across the industry these days are fantastic to help overcome a lot of these these challenges. As at Royal London as an example, we've got um, something called a lifestyle calculator, which on the face of it looks like a very straightforward, very simple tool to use. And it is a very straightforward simple tool to use. It's just about taking across uh, some of the, the trivial spends that clients might have. So what do they spend on a weekly basis on coffees or takeaways or magazines? And it presents it in a way where it shows them what the monthly cost of that is. And it it, it can, in most situations, be quite an, a, an eye-opening figure that they're presented with. And again, these are generally just quite trivial costs. So what I've seen some advisors use is use this tool as a way of trying to preempt a, an objection around cost coming up during a protection conversation so they know what the client's trivial spends are and again just asking the question around you know could you cut back on some of those small trivial spends and if you do what does that look like financially for you and is there potentially a way of making a saving that we could address that protection gap um, with but I think it is definitely one of the big challenges around making sure clients understand what they're getting for that premium. What are they paying? For, um, what are they getting for that 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 monthly cost? Uh, with The protection policy, and I think trying to put across the value is is a real important um, important point. I think again, bringing it back to you know, the new consumer duty, there will undoubtedly be situations where clients are unwilling to to, to progress with uh, the recommendation that the advisor is making, be that because of the cost, be it because of they don't think they need it. And of course, these, these objection handling skills are going to really become quite crucial at this point in time. I think one of the things that the FCA is really uh, addressing with this new consumer duty is, as we said before, about good customer outcomes, but also evidence and those good customer outcomes and evidence what we're doing to try and achieve, help clients achieve those object uh, objective object, objectives. So I think throughout the protection conversation, it is going to be real, even, even more imperative now that it, we're evidencing what we're discussing with with clients. Um, you know, we're taking we're using these tools that providers offer. We've got uh, maybe evidence and it's through screenshots or saving the the, the tools, for the results, saving them on the client's file. Again, as a way of demonstrating that we've had this conversation, and if the client is again still adamant that they they, they don't want to move forward with protection, you know the big challenge is there. And how do we evidence that we've done everything we can to make sure that we're still trying to do the best for clients? Well, one of the one of the things that I've seen some advisors use is the likes of disclaimers. And if we've had the conversation about clients and protection, um, but they still don't want to proceed with that conversation i think it's going to be really imperative to make sure that these disclaimers are used and we've got the client's signature confirmation that they're aware that we've had this conversation they're aware of the risks of not taking out the protection policy they're aware that they may have to rely on savings employer support, um, benefits government support i think getting that as a signature from the client and making sure we've got that onto the file is going to be a real important thing going forward. It can't just be the case where we accept the fact that the client isn't wanting to take out the protection policy and we'll leave it there. We need to make sure that that's been evidenced to say that we've had the conversation, that the client appreciates the risks of not having the policy. And we've got that saved um, saved on file because it's going to happen. We will come across cases where, you know, regardless of how many different little bits of tweaking we can do to the product to bring the cost down, if it's a cost issue, regardless of how many valuable points we try and put across it, it, it the, the client might not want to progress. I think we need to make sure that that's been evidenced um, as much as we can do.
1: Um, definitely, but you know, in in that situation, I mean, the the fact does remain that there will be implications for that. And as you say, you know, the client's got to be hundred percent aware that they know that you know that is the situation. But can we talk about some of those um you know consequences? I suppose because you mentioned earlier, you know, that it it can be protection can often be cheaper when you take it out earlier. So you know, how can an advisor kind of really run that home to? to a, a client you know that if you take it out now it's going to cost less. so therefore you know your, your cost issues and concerns might fall away at that point you know how can advisors advisors do that
0: yeah so again i think helping clients to see the impact of not taking a protection policy out is is it's a it's a big challenge you know when advisors do an incredible job of of having these difficult conversations about about death and illness and, and inability incapacity to, to work and it's it's difficult conversations to have and i think it's i guess it was, it's important to get clients to understand the value why do they need that protection policy why are we having this conversation and if cost is a big factor in 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 the decision that the client's making then i think that area around discussing the long-term implications of not taking that policy. You're going to be older if we have this conversation in five, ten years' time. Therefore, the policy might be more expensive. I think some of the other things that I've seen and, and discussed with advisors over the last few months, again, in light of what we're seeing just now, are how do we get the value of protection in front of clients in a, an inflationary environment? So things that uh, the, the, I've heard advisors use as, as, as I guess, ammunition is reminding them of why they took out the policy in the first place if we're dealing with an existing client maybe we will be reviewing uh, their protection situation maybe we're discussing a, a remortgage case with them or maybe they've came to us to say actually we've got this protection policy I, I think um, I, I want to maybe look at canceling it I think it's important to remind them of why they took out that policy in, in in the first place. It could have been a few months, it could have been a few years since they took out the policy. And you know, I'm 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 very much guilty of this as well. You look at your bank account every month, you see some interest and direct debits coming off of things that you've completely forgot what you set them up for. You don't really know where that money's going. So yeah, when you're trying to cut costs and when you're trying to I suppose when you're trying to make a, a few savings every month, it is very easy to just think, look at your bank account and think, actually, I don't really know what that costs covering the, I don't know what that's going towards. I don't know what that's paying. Let's just cancel it. So, you know, and I think if we're having these conversations with clients, as I said, a protection review, a remortgage, it doesn't matter why they took out the policy, if it was for mortgage protection, if it was income protection, if it was critical illness cover, if it was family income benefit. I think the reason we had that discussion initially was to make sure that they could repay their debts. And as I said before, maintain the standard of living. Just that, I think that gentle reminder that that's what it was there for, can really go a long way to, to, to just, I guess, reassuring clients where that monthly direct debits going to and what it's, what it's actually covering the cost of. Um, I think also, reinv- I've mentioned value quite a lot. I think reinforcing the value is, is quite a, a key thing. And this has been a real big talking point, I think, the industry's seen at the moment, which is how do we make protection policies tangible? That is... One of the big challenges that I've felt in this industry since I've joined a few years ago, you're coming from a pensions background where pensions are a little bit more tangible. You can see them. You can you can increase contributions. You can see your investment performance. Protection isn't tangible. You can't see it. You can't feel it. The real, I guess the real point in time when the protection policy becomes tangible is when a claim needs to be made. But claims might not always happen you know somebody might never claim on a protection policy so how do they get value how do they see the, the, the again what that cost that they're paying every month towards is is going towards so One of the things I would say for advisors to to really pull on is some of the the support services that that, that most protection providers offer these days with protection policies. These are things like second medical opinions, dedicated nurses, virtual uh, access to GPs, mental well-being support. Again, the list is is very much endless. I think it's a real important way of helping clients see the value of having that policy um, because I, I think one of the one of the areas when we look at the, the the cost of living, you know, there's a big financial difficulty with the, the cost of living. Of course, that's 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 why it's being referred to as the crisis. But actually, the physical and the mental impact that the cost of living is 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 going to have on on people is you, you can't ignore that. So again, support services that are usually accessible through protection policies, I think, will help go a long way to, to support that. Um. I think other areas to try and visualise it, future-proofing. So we're talking about the here and now, cost of living, it's, you know, you, cannot, you can't ignore it. But actually, what about steering conversations with clients towards making sure that if costs get higher in the future, you know, do you want to be able to make sure that the protection policy we're setting up today will still hold its value in 5, 10, 15 years' time? And this is where things like indexation really becomes quite powerful. You know, making sure that the client can maintain the real value of the policy over time. So the claim has to be made in the future. The value of that benefits will hopefully reflect their, their standard of living at that time. So maybe not something for um, existing clients, but if you're having future conversations, new clients actually discussing future proofing um, and, and adding that onto policies, I think um, will hopefully be quite a, a, a powerful thing for them to see. And then, you know, a couple of other angles we'd probably suggest for for visualizing the the, the, the importance of protection. Um, you know, lifestyle reviews. If we're reviewing situations with clients, is that a way that we can try and bring the cost down? If clients have a have a situation changed, maybe they've maybe uh, changed to a less hazardous job maybe they, they don't do it as extreme hobbies anymore maybe they've stopped smoking so again worth asking the provider if there's a way of reviewing the client's lifestyle and if that might result in a lower premium so again in the the, the landscape where things are pretty expensive anything that can be done to try and bring that cost down and then again, kind of echoing what we were saying earlier about the longer term implications if clients are wanting to cancel a policy or actually not take out the policy today and do it in five, ten years' time, what does that cost look like? And as I said before, you know, even running quotes of a client maybe five, ten years older, letting them see the cost, I think, can be a, a really good way of just helping visualize that 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 need for protection. I was
1: wondering, Bertha. You know about, you mentioned family income benefit, as I understand it, and correct me if, if I'm wrong, but um, this is kind of like an underused kind of protection product amongst advisors. So my, my question to you is, you know, with this consumer duty coming along, will advisors have to kind of reacquaint themselves with exactly what these products are and maybe recommend them more than they used to?
0: I think so. And you, you, you really hit the nail on the head there with family income benefit being quite a an undersold protection solution, I would say. And it is a fantastic protection solution for what it does. You know, we speak to a lot of advisors and it genuinely family income benefit will be something that will come up in conversation. It is a way of, essentially, it's life cover. But rather than paying out a lump sum, it pays a, a, a tax-free monthly income. So when we think about using protection to cover lifestyle costs you know this protection solution can be a, a real game changer and i think referring back to uh, some of the the statistics that i've seen with protection sales last year so i think it was in swiss re's health and term watch there were about 29 000, um, family income benefit policies Sold in 2020, around about 29,000, uh, and last year, when if you compare that to level term assurance there was about 825,000 policies written. Um, so I, I think a complete change in terms of attitude towards talking about that protection will definitely change that 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 number. But it is a very cost-effective protection solution as well, and you know. I, I, Again, looking at some of the stats from Swiss Re, they were suggesting that the average premium of a level term assurance policy uh, last year in in, in 2021 was about £323. When again, if you compare that to a family income benefit policy, the average premium, you're looking at £217. So again, cost-wise, generally, much more cost-effective. But in terms of value, what that does I think will really support clients with their their standard of living. We've often, you know, there's there's a famous phrase we've used at Rural and for for many years now, which is "kids can't eat bricks," and it's an interesting <laughs> phrase, but I think it really sums up family income benefits in so well because when we think protection, you you know, we may initially look towards making sure we've got mortgage protection. We want to make sure clients can can live in the house and stay in the house, but what about the costs of of maintaining? Their are the standard of living, feeding their children, feeding their family. You know, it's all very well being able to pay off the mortgage. But what about those additional lifestyle costs? And again, I think that I think what we'll see over the next few months is when we get some clarity on the rules around um, the final rules from the FCA on the new consumer duty, I think actually. Uh, I think family income, if it's going to become a big, big talking point, it's a, as I said, very cost-effective protection solution. Replaces a lot, it can of be a great way of replacing a lost income on death or or critical illness. Um, but it's a very versatile protection solution as well. There's so many different uses for it. Um, Again, you know, in the past, we've had conversations with advisors about being able to use family income benefit policies as a way of replicating child maintenance agreements, uh, being able to re- essentially replicate rental uh, liabilities as well. So it can be great for clients that are in the rental sector mm. or who maybe have young families or have gone through divorce. It's a very versatile protection solution. And I think in historically, it has been often overlooked for, for, for whatever reason. But I think going forward, it's going to really play a big role in in protection conversations, I think in terms of versatility and in terms of cost as well.
1: One one final question for you, Gregor. I mean, we we talked earlier about, um, you know, some of the tools that providers can have. Um, There are a couple, I think we haven't mentioned, that you at Royal London offer. Um, There's a personalised risk report and also an income shortfall calculator. Could you quickly sort of tell our, our listeners what, these
0: tools do yeah of course so uh, i you know, i think across the landscape protection providers have got some fantastic tools uh, and i think one of the the challenges is actually helping universities: see when is it the best time to use some of these tools you know what's the situation that you would use them for you mentioned the the risk report or the risk report is something we we, we, we talk about a lot with, with advisors and it's one of the most, I think, powerful ways to try and demonstrate risk and probability and chance of something happening with clients. It's it, it, All it really is is a one-page sales aid which shows the clients their likelihood of making a claim on a life policy, a critical illness policy or, or even an income protection policy. Mm-hmm. And again, it's all bespoke to the client. It uses their own details. It builds the report that's specific to them. It can be bespoke to the clients, the, the advisor's firm as well, so their logo, their contact details can appear on there. But I do think the most important part about that risk report is that it does allow the conversational protection to happen if it's not already happening or if it's maybe a way of getting clients to see that there is risks that they face. Let's have this conversation about what we can do to try and mitigate the the impact that these risks might have on on my lifestyle. So, a really powerful way to help bring protection to life. The other the other real useful tool i think when we're talking about the cost of living crisis is our income shortfall calculator again a very straightforward very simple tool and it basically just highlights clients potential monthly shortfall if they had to go off work sick and rather than rely on that monthly income that they're very used to receiving they would then be simply relying on statutory sick pay and statutory sick like pay at the moment about ninety nine pounds thirty five pence a week, definitely probably a difficult, a, a difficult uh, cost to live on on its own. And what this tool does is it just shows clients, you know, if they did go off work sick, what would that look like in terms of monthly, uh, in terms of sustainability for them, um, if they had to live off off, off, off government um, government support. And it can also you can also factor in. Uh, savings, if they've got savings, and again, what that will do to how long that their their the sustainability of their income will will have if they have to go off work sick. So again, if clients are maybe a bit apprehensive about talking about income protection, maybe they've got those objections that we mentioned earlier about uh, I've got employer benefits, I've got access to government support, I've got savings. Absolutely, you you probably do have access to a lot of those, but do they or will they give you the standard of living? That, that you're accustomed to, as I say, it's standard to sick pay at the moment, about £99 a week, that it's not going to go really very far in terms of providing the standard of the living that a lot of people will be will be used to. Savings can be very much depleted quite quickly. Um, again, particularly if those savings are pl- or, or to be used for purchasing a house or, or for, for whatever, do clients really want to have to start eating into their savings to, to be able to, to afford to, to live? every month and uh, of course employer benefits are, are definitely a viable option but you know how many employers have an employer benefit scheme that, that is very much similar to statutory sick like pay do individuals know what their employer gives them i think that can be a useful thing to, to ask in terms of uh, handling that objection to needing income protection is do you know what your employer actually offers you and again all of these things are things you can plug into the income shortfall calculator and again just really visualizes the the, the sustainability of income and hopefully presents income protection as a really uh, a really viable solution
1: great Gregory, it's been interesting i've certainly learned a lot through our discussions today and, and i'm sure our, our listeners would agree that so thank you so much for your time and um that that's where we end it i'm afraid
0: thank you so much amanda for me. in the next episode of the series Amanda and Gregor will discuss the overall benefits of multi-cover protection plans and how these can be tailored to meet clients' needs and tight budgets. And if you'd like to explore the tools mentioned today, visit advisor.royallondon.com slash buildingresilience.